This one is a bit of a swerve. Uh, we're talking now about synthetic embryos. Yeah, okay, so try and wrap your head around this one. Scientists now have created synthetic embryos, but there are some ethical and moral questions surrounding this research. So let's get into it right now with our guest, who is Distinguished Research Professor and Emerita at Dalhousie University, Dr. Francois Bayliss. Dr. Bayliss, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, it's always lovely to talk to you. So this is something that probably a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with. So help set the stage here if you can. Can you can you describe exactly what it is we're talking about when we're talking about a synthetic embryo? Well, I think the main thing to understand is most people will remember from basic biology that typically the way you make an embryo is by having an egg fertilized by a sperm and then it grows into a baby and one of us. And with a synthetic human embryo, you don't actually have fertilization. You don't need an egg and a sperm. What you do is you start with another cell in the human body and you're able to turn it into uh, what's called a synthetic embryo. And I think the thing that's important to appreciate is that this work has been going on for some time in different what we call animal models. So not in humans, but they have done this in mice and they've recently done this in monkeys. And now we have researchers who have accomplished the same thing with human material, human stem cells. So I think the the questions then around what this can mean and what exactly a synthetic embryo can teach us and can do, um, you know, there's a lot of different directions that we can go here. Can a synthetic human embryo then then go all the way to through development to to birth how far can these things really go in terms of research so at the present time scientists do not have the knowledge or the ability to take this early synthetic human embryo and in fact transfer it to a uterus for it to develop into a live-born human. But for some people, that's a goal. Um, And the reason I say that is because that's exactly what we have seen happen um, in mice, and it's been successful. So, for example, with mice, they've taken cells from the tail, and they've taken those cells and managed to turn them into an egg and a sperm and have those two come together and then make pups. Uh, With the monkeys, they have made synthetic human embryos and they have transferred some of those to um, uh, adult monkey in the hope that they would get um, live births and they have not been successful with that. With humans, nobody has attempted to transfer this early synthetic human embryo into a human, partly because it would be illegal in most countries in the world, but also because they don't have the knowledge to be able to take it that far along in its development. But let me just say one thing that I think is important to appreciate. Some people have this as a long-term goal. Most scientists are focusing on the short-term And what they're saying is that making these synthetic human embryos will allow them to do research so they can better understand human development, understand how we get certain kinds of genetic disorders, learn why we have early miscarriages, um, you know, improve fertility treatment. So a lot of the focus is on sort of health of others, not the actual synthetic human embryo that's being created. Got it. So we could potentially be learning a lot from them. How long then, Dr. Bayless, do these synthetic embryos last? How long can we research them before they can no longer continue to develop or be of any use? 
possible? So that's a really critically important question. So right now, scientists believe that they can take them up to two weeks and maybe a little bit longer. But the interesting thing is that in many countries around the world, including Canada, it's actually illegal to develop a human embryo outside of the human body beyond 14 days. And so what's happening is you're now having members of the scientific community asking questions about the logic of the 14-day rule. Is that the right rule? Do we need to change the rule? And in some countries, for example, the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. no change in rules would be required to do this research. Now, why? Because in the United Kingdom, the way they defined an embryo in law, so nothing to do with biology, science, et cetera, what does the law say? The law says that an embryo is created by fertilization, a synthetic human embryo is not created by fertilization, and so any of the existing laws in the United Kingdom don't apply to this. That's not true in Canada because our laws were written differently and our laws define the human embryo as either created through fertilization or any other mechanism. And so our laws will apply to the synthetic human embryo. So we would then have to rewrite this law to allow testing to continue beyond 14 days. And I think the ethical and the moral questions that surround this are the ideas of how how human is this? I mean, we're using human cells to create this, which I think could make people feel a little uncomfortable about what it is that we're really testing or learning on, right? Exactly. I think you've hit the nail on the head, so to speak. This is what has many people exercised. So one of the things that's important to appreciate is why, why 14 days? What's that yeah. magical number? And there's two ways in which in the early days, scientists and politicians came to agree on 14 days. And I want you to appreciate that this is actually kind of um, an international consensus. So the 14-day rule, as it's called, applies in most countries around the world that do this kind of research. And the reason 14 days was picked is twofold. One reason it's picked is a lot of people think that one of the things that's important, a defining feature about humans, is that we're individuals. Um, And one of the things that embryos can do up until 14 days is they can split. That's how we we get identical twins. So one embryo divides into two, we have identical twins. Or if it divides into three, we have identical triplets. And so the idea is that, well, if you're looking to find out what's special about us, whatever it is, we don't split. And if you believe in things like the soul, a soul can't split. And so the idea became that, well, look, up until 14 days, we probably don't have this individual human. And the other thing that a human embryo can do up until 14 days is it can recombine. And again, that's not something that we can do. We can't recombine. We are individuals. So this focus on individuality led people to say, well, something important happens at 14 days because the embryo can no longer split or recombine. Hmm. So that's one whole set of arguments. The other set of arguments is much simpler, which is that on day 15, we have something called the primitive streak, this primitive streak that appears in the human embryo. This is thought to be the precursor to the brain, and many people argue that what's really important about the human is our rational capacity. And so that once you have a forming brain, then this thing becomes important, it becomes protectable human life, it has moral status. And so with that day, instead of picking 15, they picked 14 to say, well, let's err on the side of caution. <laughs> and just get um, in and before so that's that. how we get 14 days. How, how much are we limiting ourselves, though, by not being able to test past that 14-day limit? What could we potentially well, be the- learning from these? I think 
that the reality is, is we don't know. And the, the reason I say that is early on when the 14 days was first proposed, this is looking back to the late 1970s, early 1980s, and then it starts becoming entrenched in legislation in different countries around the world in the 1990s. But what happened is everybody was kind of comfortable with 14 days because of the sort of biological reasoning I just shared, but also because nobody could do it. And so it's kind of like saying to a scientist, you're not allowed to go to Mars. And the scientist says, yeah, sure, okay, I won't go to Mars. And it doesn't really mean anything at the time because you don't have the ability to do it. So you don't experience it as a constraint or a limit on what you might want to do. And I think that was true with the 14 days. So when you said to scientists, you can't go beyond 14 days, it was, yeah, sure, so what, who cares? I can't go beyond 14 days biologically, I don't know how. So a legal limit doesn't affect the work I want to do. And what's happening now is that that's changing. And so that's why you have the scientific community now saying, well, I actually could go beyond 14 days. I think I know how to do that. And then one of the answers or arguments that's coming forward is, let, if you let us do that, we'll be able to solve cancer, or we'll be able to help with all the problems of infertility, or we'll better understand certain kinds of genetic diseases. But this is all speculation. Right. Right? We don't know what we don't know. Uh, I want to talk... Exactly. I, I want to get into a little bit more about why, you know, proponents say that this is something that is a really interesting and good development and why it could be problematic. But uh, we have to take a very short break. So uh, let's just pause for about three minutes here. We're going to come back into this conversation talking about synthetic human embryos. They could allow for research beyond that 14-day limit, but that's, of course, not allowed here in Canada. It's raising some serious ethical questions. Curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Ched Nation. You can send in a text, 780-496-0063. Our guest is Dr. Francois Bayless, Distinguished Research Professor, Emerita at Dalhousie University. We'll be right back with her in three minutes. Synthetic human embryos. Try and wrap your head around this one now. And the rules... The rules in Canada state that embryos, synthetic or not, cannot be tested on past 14 days. Could we potentially change that to open up some research options? Our guest is Distinguished Research Professor and Emerita at Dalhousie University, Dr. Francois Bayless. Dr. Bayless, thank you so much for sticking around on hold. Fine. You know, I want to I want to get your thoughts on whether or not you think that Canada could potentially change this law to allow for more testing, or if you think that that is the right approach to take here in Canada. What do you think? Well, I think one thing to appreciate is that laws are always subject to change, and I think that that's good in the abstract. And the reason that's good is that we learn things, we change our mind about things, we weigh things up differently. So you wouldn't want to have laws cast in stone. But also, it's important to appreciate it's it's quite a long process to change laws. And so very often in a Canadian context, we have the big picture laws and then underneath that we have regulations and the regulations sometimes can be changed more easily but what's important to appreciate is that the limit on 14 days is a law it's not a regulation and I think a lot of people would be happy to start advocating for changing that law and they would do so on the grounds that there are potential benefits that would be available to people if scientists were allowed to do this work but I'm not sure that there's the political will, if you will, to open up the act. So this piece of legislation is called the Assisted Human Reproduction Act. Okay. And there are many parts of that act, and some of them were quite controversial. And people may not remember, but there was actually a reference to the Supreme Court of Canada about this piece of legislation.
legislation because several of the provinces challenged this, saying that there was a problem constitutionally with the federal government stepping into provincial territory. And so a lot of that law then got lost, if you will, or struck down because of that Supreme Court of Canada decision. So the parts that are left, I think, um, are pretty much secure right now. And I don't know that there would be a lot of political will to start tinkering with this piece of legislation. Dr. Bayless, thank you so much for making the time this afternoon and for explaining this so well. I think this is something so interesting to take a look into. Really appreciate your time today. Well, great. Thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Take care. Bye-bye. Dr. Francois Bayliss, our Distinguished Research Professor and Emerita at Dalhousie University, talking about synthetic human embryos.